raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favourite things. Favourites is what we are here for, and today our guest is Brendan Noddle, a major at the Salvation Army. That's still your title, isn't it, uh, Brendan? It is, yes. Yes. Hello, welcome to you. Good to be here, Simon. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, no, it's, it's a pleasure. Well, you've, you've been such a, um, an important part of Melbourne since before my time. I think we first met when I first started working with Bruce Mansfield and Philip Brady in uh, the mid-1990s, and we had a a Christmas party, and the Salvation Army band came and played. Uh, So that would have been about 1995, 96, somewhere around there, I think. You've got a great memory, Simon. That was down at Federation Square. Yes. And... um, I have two memories from that night. One was it was a lot of fun, but the other memory was it was complete and utter chaos. Um, <laughs> we had a little salvo band and uh, we were squeezed into a corner. We could barely breathe <laughs> and the hordes were there. There were people everywhere, um, but it was fantastic. And, uh, you know, those sorts of partnerships with 3RW have been amazing. And I think 3RW is actually really unique, not just for Melbourne, but for Australia in terms of being able to do those sorts of things that are so important. Yeah, oh, it certainly is. And uh, so, how long prior to that had you been with the Salvation Army? Um, I, some people would call me a fetal salvo, Simon. <laughs> so um, it was way back in 1928, and I'm not quite that old, but that's when my grandma was seven and a half months pregnant with my mum, and uh, my grandpa passed away uh, fairly young. I think he was early 40s. Um, so grandma had three sons and seven and a half months pregnant with mum. Um, and uh, I think they were really, really struggling financially. So that was in Northcote. And, uh, the, you know, the family story goes that they had two shillings in the bank uh, when Grandpa died, and so things were really tough. The local salvos turned up from Northcote and they handed over some food, and then they just built a connection with the family. And I think uh, ever since then we've had a family connection with the Salvation Army. And... It's been really interesting, Simon, because I think um, there's been a couple of really significant moments in my life, like I, I'd probably say tragic moments, um, and it was the salvos that turned up in those moments that uh, really helped me. So I, I think deeply sort of buried in me is this desire to help others as I was helped during those really difficult times. Wow. I didn't realise it went back. It's, it's a generational thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, but, you know, my whole family, so I've got three brothers, the whole family got involved, our kids uh, got involved, um, and, and I think it comes from that moment back in 1928 when someone at the local Salvos heard about the family and actually did something about it. So I, it, it's a powerful reminder to me about um, uh, sometimes we think just the small deeds go unnoticed, but um they can be profoundly important for people for generations, which is the case for us. Can I ask, though, as a child, because I, I tend to think that you know, during our school years, we're not really sort of aware that much of what goes on around us as such. So yeah. when, when you were going through school, was there thought that uh, you know, you're going to be an accountant, airline pilot, uh, <laughs> AFL halfback? <laughs> were, were there any other thoughts in your mind as to where your life might take you? Well, in my dreams, uh, <laughs> AFL full forward for Collingwood, in my dreams, 
Uh, I had the number six Peter McKenna's jumper on uh, Peter McKenna's number on the back of my jumper. Yes. Um, but the reality was I, I wasn't even allowed to boundary umpire. That's how bad I was. <laughs> um, so there was no chance of that ever happening. But um, I, I think, uh, and certainly not being an accountant, I think uh, if my accounting teacher from year 11, year 12 was listening, he'd be choking on his cornflakes at the moment. But uh, uh, there's no way that would ever happen. I, I And I think, to be really honest, uh, being a Salvation Army officer was absolutely the very last thing on my agenda. Um, it, it was something that I wasn't interested in. So I had an interest in um, journalism uh, as a kid growing up. Uh, and that was about it. But I think like most kids, you're not 100% certain about what it is you want to do. And I ended up finishing year 12 at Melbourne High and then went over to Adelaide Uni and did an arts degree. And I think that was more about just, um, again, just trying to search and think through what do I want to do. Because at that stage, 18, 19, didn't really have much idea. You, you still didn't have any idea really what uh, you know, what you wanted to do, no? No, not, not back then. Um, I think... When I was at uni, I, I started to develop that sense of wanting to be involved in youth work, social work, um, and, and I think it was at that time uh, I started uni about six months after my mum passed away. So, you know, I mentioned before some of those tragic events. Um, Dad died when I was four, mum when I was 17, and I think that really got me reflecting again about what are, what are the really important things in life for me, and I think... Um, that's where I really started to ponder that idea that it, whenever there was a difficulty, a, a significant difficulty, the salvos turned up. And um, I, I started to marry those thoughts together uh, about an interest in youth work, social work, um, the work of the Salvation Army in my life. And um, I started to see a connection. And so I came back from uni in Adelaide and started to work at a youth refuge for the Salvation Army uh, in Hawthorne and then one in Fitzroy. Um, and that was really the beginning of me starting to realise that was the sort of work that I wanted to be involved in. That could have gone either way, if you don't mind me saying it. To, to lose you know, a parent so young and then your second parent in your teens, That you know, when you're in your teens, that's sort of your, the era when you, you, know, you think you're invincible, you can do whatever the hell you like in life and with no consequences. You could have gone... Yeah, without parents there guiding you, you could have sort of gone in any direction, but uh, luckily it was the right one. Well, it, it was really interesting, Simon, because I, I still remember really clearly um, people around me who, you know, they, they cared about me, but I had this really clear sense that they were thinking, well, um, that this kid's journey's done. Like, he, he's not going to do much <laughs> with his life. Um, and so it was almost permission giving from them for me to fail. So... Um, it, and my mum's death, it didn't just happen when I was in my teens, but it happened halfway through year 12, so in, oh. in June in, in uh, 82. So uh, I was uh, – it, it couldn't have come at a worse time. And I think I started to think, you know, I could leave school now. I could just uh, wander along and no one would really care. People are actually expecting me to um, just give up. And um, I, I had this moment um, towards the end of year 12 where I started to reflect on uh, what would my mum want and what would my dad want from me? Would they want me to give up or would they want me to have an absolute crack here? Um, and so I, I think I really uh, 
sense that I was at that crossroads and it was me uh, that would make that choice about which way I was going to go. And so I think I just dug in and, and um, dug deep and, you know, I didn't, I didn't absolutely blitz it in year 12, but um, I did enough to get to uni. Um, and and I, I, I think those um, sort of tragedies fueled something within me to say, I, I want to make my life count and I want to use my life to actually um, benefit others that are doing it tough as well. Wow. What a what a ripper story! I mean, it's, it's, when I say that, it's born out of such terrible circumstances. Was your mum's death sudden? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, both sudden, son. So both heart attacks. Um, so dad, when he was fifty one, mum fifty three. Um, so they they were really um, completely and utterly unexpected. So no um, pre existing health issues. Yep. Um, so that they were both, you know, overweight. Um, and I think that obviously contributed as well. And I think back, you know, late 60s and then for mum, late 70s, early 80s, I think diet wasn't a huge sort of um, issue for a lot of people, a lot of Australians back then. Um, so I think that they were those sorts of things that contributed as well. If I if I can play sort of psychologist for a moment... <laughs> Um, I just lay back on the couch, Simon. Yeah, I, I just when when I first met you, you were um, a, a slightly fuller frame. I, I would never say you were large in any way, <laughs> but uh, but you were a, a touch heavier than you are now. And I, I would expect you're probably around the age of, uh, of of perhaps that age where your parents passed. Is is your recent uh, loss of weight in the last couple of years and and your uh, your will to get a, a little healthier in life? Is there something in the back of your mind that says, oh, you know, oh sugar, I better look after myself? Oh, no question. Uh, and it's a really, it's actually a really interesting point you make, Simon, because I, I think this little voice in the back of my head was saying, and I, I feel uncomfortable saying this publicly, but I'm just being honest, there was this little voice in the back of my head during my 30s and my 40s that was saying, you're not going to make it beyond your 50s. So um, do the, the best you can with the time you've got because it's only short. And it was almost like a subconscious messaging that was driving the way I lived my life. So in my 30s and my 40s, I've worked extremely hard. So very, very long hours, um, sort of worked to exhaustion and I, I think I did that because the messaging in my head was uh, you're going to be gone shortly and then I, I remember and, and my wife Sandra had uh, a lot to do with this too coming in towards the end of um, my 40s and my early 50s Sandra was constantly saying to me um, this doesn't have to be the message you, you can actually change that message in your head yeah. And uh, I remember um, being really frustrated with the state of homelessness in the city of Melbourne around that time. And I said to Sandra one night, I think I'm just going to walk to Canberra because our federal politicians have to know how bad it is on the street and I need to do something to grab their attention. And so in 2018, uh, sorry, 2017 it was, um, I walked to Canberra and I, I, it took me about 40 days, and what I did, Simon, was I wore a shirt every day that said, you know, walk for the homeless, and on the inside of that shirt, I wrote my mum and dad's name, oh. and I did that to remind myself every day that I needed to be losing weight, uh, otherwise I would have ended up, you know, where they ended up, um, and it was a powerful remind, reminder, so every night when I took my shirt off, every morning when I put my shirt on, I was reminded that I 
needed to lose weight, not just uh, by doing that walk to Canberra, but by making sure that I implemented some changes for the rest of my life to, to, to uh, remain healthy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, nice. That's 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 quite touching, and uh, and wow, what, what what a story. Um, now you, you mentioned Sandra, your wife. Now let's let's get on to uh, to where that all happened because you know, we we know the the public life of uh, Brendan Nottle uh, with the Salvation Army, but behind the scenes, where did you where did you two meet? Guess Simon at the Salvation Army. Correct. <laughs> it was either that or at a Collingwood football match. <laughs> no, it was um, it was at a Christmas event uh, run by the Salvation Army, of course. And uh, yeah, we met, and um, yeah, we it all went from there. So, uh, including our first date, which was an Australia Pakistan one day game at the MCG, <laughs> and um, uh, being punctual wasn't one of my stronger points. And I ended up turning up an hour and a half late. I forgot that I was meeting her, or I forgot the time, and it, it, the whole thing just got chaotic. And remarkably, when I remembered and turned up, Sandra was still there. So, wow. um, and and she still continues to remind me of oh, that, uh, that moment. That was going to be my next question. Has she ever let you forget it? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Um, are there kids? I've, I've never asked that as well. Was, was yeah, that... we've got uh, three daughters, Simon. So we've got um, uh, 36, 32 and 28-year-old and um, the two oldest are now mums. So we've got four grandkids, oh, which is amazing. So It's the best, um, isn't it? Yeah, which is fantastic. So little George arrived on uh, 3 a.m. Boxing Day, um, just gone. So, yeah, having grandkids, and you know this too, grandkids are amazing. So it's a wonderful gift to have. It is, most certainly is. Um, all right, now, so let's uh, – let's one final word before we get on to the favourites. So the, the, with the Salvos and the great work you've done there for all these years – uh, the, and the city of Melbourne seems to have its ups and downs and you know, peaks and troughs and all of that sort of thing. What is there, if you could click your fingers now and just have something happen, what would it be that the Salvos need to, uh, you know, right now at, at this point in time? Yeah. Oh, I reckon two things, Simon. I, what, what I'm genuinely worried about is Melbourne as a city is starting to move away from our roots. So as a city, I think we were founded on values, which are around no one left behind, uh, founded on values of let's work together. Uh, so we're all always going to have differences of opinion on different subjects, but let's put that aside and let's come together and work together. And uh, I just fear that we're heading down a path at the moment where we're becoming more and more divided. And that's actually not who we are as a city so I think if we could start to put some of those differences aside and start to work together um, and start to actually see that uh, fundamentally we're all human beings, we're all you know, genuinely good people um, and we all have something to offer. And I think if we can start at that uh, base point and then work on issues together, that would be a great start for a new year. Yeah. I, I think the other thing that um, we, we'd love to see develop for the Salvos is more accommodation with supports. So uh, we're seeing more and more faces every day um, coming into the city that uh, need accommodation, but need not just housing, they need a range of other supports as well, like mental health, um, addiction support. Uh, There's a whole range of supports that need to be put in place alongside the accommodation. And if I'm 
being a little bit cheeky here, but if I could sneak in the third thing, and that would be we run a cafe for people in the city um, and our numbers are just going through the roof at the moment. So it provides a meal, provides a place uh, of community and acceptance and welcome for everyone. And then we put those supports around people in the cafe as well. And we'd love to see that cafe replicated in different locations, perhaps on on smaller scale, but we'd love to see that sort of idea develop in different locations. And do you need, for that sort of thing to happen, do you need, is, is it shortage of volunteers or is it shortage of funds or is it both? Oh, it's both. Both. Yeah. Um, yep. if, if people listening now you know, are too lazy to get off their backside and actually go and do anything, but they want to make a financial <laughs> contribution because uh, they, can, they can do that from the, the comfort of their phone or their computer, what's, what's yep. the best way to, uh, to give to the Salvos? Probably if they go to salvationarmy.org.au or 13 Salvos, um, that, that would be the best way. Yeah, nice. If, if people can uh, make a donation, that would, that would be lovely. Uh, be right. And if they, want to, if they want to actually get out and do something, you know, there'd be people out there who you know, recently retired or uh, you know, just gone from full-time to part-time work and have a bit of spare time. Um, again, just hit the website or... Yeah, absolutely. Or ring that 13 Salvos number and just let them know what area they're in and then, uh, and if they've got a particular interest for volunteering and then uh, the discussion will unfold from there. Because it would be, uh, part of it would, I think, would be a little unnerving, would be the thought of you know, dealing with people on the streets and the uncertainty of around that. But, but you would have roles uh, in you know, the kitchens and things where, you know, if, if you happen to make a really good lasagna, you might be a pretty good chef. There might be some Italian nonnas listening uh, who, who have a bit of spare time and just love to cook. They could, they could work with the salvos and get into those sorts of positions, couldn't they? Oh, absolutely, and I think we've seen some really interesting things happen where um, people have got together, like some nonners, um, people from different backgrounds have got together with friends or other family members, and they've cooked up a storm, and then they've uh, brought the goods into us, or we've gone out and picked them up, um, and we've had an enormous amount of salami donated, of all things, we've had... Um, <laughs> Posada donated. We've had all, all sorts of things donated, which is just fantastic for us because uh, we, we're feeding, like, it's 150, 160 people for breakfast. It's about 150 to 180 for lunch, sometimes up to 200. And, again, the same for dinner. Uh, and we're doing that right throughout the week. So yeah. um, any support that we can get is really appreciated. All righty. So hit it up at the uh, Salvation Army website. Now, uh, let's get on to some of these favourites. So what I have here, Brendan, I here have we a, go. a list of 50 things that you might have favourites in. Some are really clever and deep and others are just rather pathetic because when you're trying to compile a list of 50, you run out of ideas very quickly. But what I do, <laughs> I, I just uh, I close my eyes, I point at one and then ask you what your favourite is. So, Brendan Nottle, what's your favourite snack? Oh, oh, it'd be lettuce now, wouldn't things. it, that you're healthy? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, my wife's not listening. Um, I can't go past a picnic. Oh, okay. Yeah, packed oh. with, uh, with peanuts in it, and that's the one. Yeah, and that's how I get it over the line in my head. Is I say to myself, "It's got peanuts. It's <laughs> got to be good for you." Yeah, it's got. It's a health food, exactly. Absolutely. Uh, favorite band. Oh, here we go. Um, oh, you know, I, I'm a child of the seventies and eighties, so. I, I love Billy Joel. I love Sherbet, of all things. Um, you know who I love? 
Simon, is U2, uh, yeah. is up there for me. Um, and in recent times, I'm going on a bit here, but in recent times, we've been doing some work with the painters and dockers of all bands. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, they've been a lot of fun and just really supportive of our work as well. So they're a favourite too. Yeah, Paulie Stewart's a lovely guy. He's fantastic. Great sense yeah. of humour. Uh, yeah, love him. Um, favourite current TV show? Um, I'm still going back to an old fave. So uh, West Wing I love. Um, we've been watching The Crown as well and really enjoying that. Yeah. Love. And uh, we just love, um, I feel a bit embarrassed about saying this, but Great railway journeys. So it pops up every now and again <laughs> on SBS. And when I'm just when I'm done, uh, slow TV. Like I, I just sit back on the couch and I can't. I'm at a point where I can't think. I can't speak. And I put the tally on, and there'll be a train trip going through. I don't know. It could be the Garn, you know, running from Adelaide to Alice Springs or something. I love it. Oh, I love just sitting back and just winds me down. You pick up the phone and ring Grubby Stubbs, and you can chat for hours about it. Yes. <laughs> Uh, favourite holiday destination, other than walking to Canberra, I guess? <laughs> well, that's interesting because along the way, we actually fell in love with a couple of places um, that were completely unheard of for us. So, Walwa, uh, up on the Murray River, um, Wee Jasper, which is just out of um, Canberra. Uh, also, we, we love going to Tumut, which is on the river as well. Um, so, and we love over in Adelaide, Robe, uh, Port Lincoln. Uh, we love Lakes Entrance in Victoria. So we, we don't travel far, but nice. uh, we reckon around Victoria and even different parts of Australia, it's magnificent locations for a good holiday. That's that's good to hear because uh, people often you know, choose the overseas locations and that. And I think this country's got so much to offer. Oh, it's incredible. And you go down to Lakes Entrance and um, I, I have been to England. But I, I look at Lake's entrance and I think I'm just reminded of being at a, an English seaside village. It's magnificent. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to travel far in Victoria or around Australia to end up with some magnificent locations. And the, the joy of holidaying in Australia, it sounds like an ad now for the tourism Victoria, <laughs> but um, but if, if you're not spending two grand on an airfare, one, you also don't have to drive to the airport and sit around and check your luggage Absolutely. and all that. You just get in the car and go somewhere. But the 2000 yeah. bucks you save on airfares, imagine you know, every night, nice restaurants, nice bottle of wine or whatever. The money yeah. that you save on the airfares, you can pour into your food on a holiday. Yeah, and um, even places like Warrnambool um, are magnificent as well. And we love driving. So jumping in the car and driving for four hours down to Warrnambool or you know, a few hours down to Lakes Entrance is um, part of the holiday for us. So it's not like going to the airport and sitting around and having your plane delayed and all that sort of thing. You, you just get in the car, you make that part of the trip and uh, your holiday commences as soon as you walk out your front door, which is great. Yeah, marvellous. Uh, Favourite teacher? Well, I'd have to go back to prep um, at Westgarth Primary School and my first teacher was Miss Sauce. And um, Miss Sauce? I'm not making this up. <laughs> Simon, Miss Sauce, and she was um, a, a magnificent teacher, like very, very caring, and which was important for me because Dad had just passed away um, just a few weeks before um, school started for me. So um, I, I found her to be very caring, and I still remember it, even though that was prep. And the other thing, too, that was interesting for me growing up in Northcote was um, there was a huge uh, Greek and Italian population at Westgarth Primary School, 
And I think that's where I've developed uh, just a real warmth and love for um, people from the Mediterranean. I, I just love their food. I love their culture. And I think it all came from growing up in Northcote and going to Westgarth Primary School. Yeah, lovely. That's that's a good note to finish on, uh, I, I think. Brendan, it's been lovely to chat to you. Congratulations again on all the you work too, that you do with the, the Salvos and just being an all-around nice guy. It's, it's, all, it's good to know you. It's good to count you as a friend. Yeah, you too, Simon. Thanks so much for the opportunity to be on. Brendan Nottle.